and welcome to Note Up. Note Up, maybe 67, maybe 68. We'll see how it plays out. We recorded a great episode at NoteConf. Hopefully we'll be able to recover it. It was uh, in kind of sketchy setup. So great conversation, but we'll try to get that out even if it's, uh, uh, even if it's rough. We'll publish that and share with everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about the new Node.js browser breach. I'm joined by Stan Polu. Hi there. Uh, Alejandro Vizio. Hey. And Forrest Norville. Whoop. AKA Trevor. Today's sponsors are Lyft Security, Anyet, and Codeship. Anyet team all in with uh, multiple sponsorships. Thanks, guys. All right. So today we're going to talk about Breach. It's been uh, a whirlwind announcement. Uh, before we get in there, let's introduce the, the, the team here. And uh, Stan, do you want to kick us off with your uh, quick bio yeah, sure. about yourself? So obviously, I'm the uh, main developer behind Bridge, um, and uh, on my spare time, meaning at work, I'm also the CTO of Totems. Uh, we do a bunch of stuff with Node.js, uh, and we do it uh, to produce analytics on Instagram mainly. Uh, enjoy using Node.js at work all the time, and a big fan. Awesome, Alejandro. Uh, well. Um Guillermo introduced me to Stan. I currently have a digital shop in Argentina called Aerolab. Uh, we work a lot in products and with startups. And when Guillermo presented me to Stan, he told me that he needed a collaborator that made all the UI and like worked with the logo and the landing page and everything. So when I was told about the project, I was really excited and I found that it was really cool, and I thought that I could like give Stan a, a good hand. So that's where how we got to meet. Awesome, Forrest. Hi, uh, I'm Forrest Norville. I work on the npm command line interface, and I before that was working at New Relic on uh, low level instrumentation. I'm generally interested in seeing how all of these different low level pieces can be composed up, and I also have lots of opinions on modularity. Awesome. <laughs> So if you need any support in the NPM CLI for any of your things, you need to get in touch with Forrest, right? Is that what Patch is welcome. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. That's awesome. So uh, I'm Dan Shaw. I run NodeSource, and uh, NodeSource is an enterprise Node.js company dedicated to creating a sustainable ecosystem for Node for the future and beyond. All right, before we dive in to our thing, I want to say a quick word about our, our first sponsor, Lyft Security. Lyft Security is the security wing uh, of Anyet, great company. Building a application or service is already hard enough. Dealing with security gets in the way, so security doesn't have to be painful, annoying, or frustrating. And you sure don't have to climb the security mountain alone. Adam Baldwin and the team at Lyft Security want to guide developers in building more secure Node applications. They already help secure tools you use every day, like GitHub and NPM. They also founded and run the Node Security Project. Lyft can help you understand where your app and your team are in terms of security, then help identify and prioritize the spots for improvement. They can offer recommendations and strategies for building more securely in the future. Lyft Security also created the first Node.js security-focused training, a in-person, hands-on training that leads developers through common vulnerabilities, making sure you understand how to secure the framework of your choice. If you're interested in bringing security-first mindset to your team's development process, reach out to the Lyft team at Lyft 
liftsecurity.io and follow Lift Security on Twitter. And while you're at it, be sure to follow the Node Security Project uh, at Node Security. Thank you, Lift, for sponsoring. All right, let's dive into it. Stan, would you like to sort of break down what, what exactly Breach is and why it's interesting, what it's all about? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Bridge basically is a browser that is written in JavaScript, and uh, that description that is quite easy to understand is not yet uh, complete. Um, so basically the idea is to let developers uh, create any Chrome they want for the browser or any UI they want for the browser through uh, the addition of and the development of modules. So basically Bridge, when you run it for the first time, is a browser that has absolutely no functionality. And whenever you install the first module, you'll see a tabbing system appear. Another module, you'll see the inspector appear, et cetera, et cetera. So basically, Bridge is, a, in terms of architecture, right? Uh, it's a, a packaged version of the content module on which Chromium is based. And that packaged version, we added next to it a Node.js uh, thread. And we exposed the content module API within Node.js using uh, the V8 uh, uh, native bindings. And so what you end up having, and that part is called the Exo browser, and what you end up having is a, an executable as Node.js would be, that you run, you, you get a ripple, the, the standard Node.js ripple, and, but you've got a special API in which you can open a new window, uh, create a new, uh, what we call Exo frame, which is behind the scene, a web contents, uh, basically uh, Blink or WebKit view. And you can uh, have access to the full API around that uh, frame, and you can add it to a given Windows at a given position and start building your browser entirely all of JavaScript uh, as a Node.js module, right? Um, on top of that, we built a bridge because we said, oh, that's cool. We're going to be able to build browsers very easily with that. Uh, but why do, would we build one browser when what we can really do is try to multiplex that API and make it available for to developers so that they can, instead of build one implementation of the browser, they would build modules that would bring functionality to Bridge as a browser. So Bridge is really a module manager on top of the Exo browser uh, for people to uh, implement functionality around the browser through modules. Is that clear? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Good. Kind of. So when we're talking about Chrome, we're talking about the, let's, you know, smack Google a little bit for using the words that we use to describe the things that we use. We're talking about the Chrome of the browser, not yeah. Google Chrome. Yeah. I mentioned both time uh, Chrome, uh, two times Chrome. Mm -hmm. uh, once it was about the UI and the, the other time is about uh, Chromium. So the, the actual <laughs> so, and it's actually both. I got it, got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So uh, in terms of actual use cases, what problem were you trying to solve when you began to explore Breach? Uh, so it started um, quite differently, actually. Mm. Um, it started out with the idea of wanting to build a browser where the state of the browser would be untangled from the device it runs on, right? Mm. Uh, today, um, You've got syncing across your own device with a Chrome, Safari, Firefox of your tabs, of your preferences, of your passwords. And the idea was to uh, push the envelope a little bit and go all the way to making the entire state of the browser independent of the device it runs on. 
and being then, then therefore able to uh, sync or project that state to another device, being a device that you own or a device that you don't own. And that's a use case that is not at all supported right now by those uh, major browsers. They really build that thing for devices you own. So it's very weird for you to log in into the Chrome of, and that time I'm talking about a browser. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird for you to log into the Chrome of your coworker. That wouldn't mean anything, right? right. Uh, so the idea was to build a browser where you would be able to project that state very easily uh, on any device you want. And so I started with that idea and I told myself, so, okay, let's look at uh, the different APIs we have available. You've got uh, Qt WebKit, you've got WebKit GTK Plus, uh, you've got WebKit itself on Coco, um, you've got Firefox, of course, um, and then you've got the content module within Chromium. And the content module is basically uh, Blink or WebKit, uh, with on top of that their multiprocess architecture. And then I looked at, just out of curiosity, so how much line of code is Chromium on top of the content API? Well, it's actually uh, something like 2.8 million of C++ line of code that are platform-specific. And so there you, tell, you say to yourself, okay, so if I want to build a decent browser, maybe I don't need to write 2 million lines of code, but at least I'm going to have to write 1 million line of C++ code. And so... Starting the, the project, I'm already screwed, right? <laughs> it's like there's no way I'm going to find the time to write that much code on my own or even with a bunch of people. And so that's where the idea of the ExoBrowser came out. It's like, okay, we're going to grab that API, expose it in Node.js, and then be able to implement, implement the browser entirely out of Node.js using uh, web technologies. So basically, if you want to add a new UI, you would open a local server running a web app and you would connect the browser itself to that uh, local web app, and boom, you've got a UI that is built entirely of, of HTML. And so that's basically where uh, Bridge comes from, from the need of being able to build a browser uh, rapidly. Awesome. And that's, that's basically what we did. It's like today Bridge is uh, 10,000 of lines of code of JavaScript on top of the Exo browser, and the rest is modules. So effectively, uh, we've not, of course, replaced 3 million lines of code by 10,000, but at least we've, we've managed to have only 10,000 of JavaScript lines of code at the core and being able to modularize all the rest. So there have been a few other kind of swipes at this particular puzzle, and I'm kind of trying to figure out, like, how do you position something like Breach relative to something like Atom or Lighttable, which are kind of more IDE things, but built on this, this same kind of notion of an abstracted browser? Or how do you position it relative yeah, to something definitely. like, like Node WebKit? Because I mean, Node uh, WebKit's... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I, I, I would have loved to be able to use Node WebKit. I would have loved to be able to use it. The only thing is that the principle behind Node WebKit, it's really optimized to create awesome uh, native fitting uh, apps mm -hmm. out of web technologies, right? And so the basic approach of Node WebKit is to expose the Node.js API within the renderer of the browser and actually have only one web, web page displayed. Okay. So if you want to create a browser using that, it's not natural because at the very bottom of what you're going to build upon, 
you're exposing Node.js within the renderer, mm. which is a total no-go in terms of, the, of security, right? You would want right, to expose right. uh, Node.js uh, to any web page you visit. Mm -hmm. And so there has been some, some work that has been done by uh, Roger on Node WebKit to uh, try to uh, create frames that are uh, all of the Node.js context and stuff, uh, but still uh, it doesn't feel quite natural and you don't have access to the multi-process architecture, and you've got a bunch of limitation uh, to build an actual browser. But the core that Atom is built on is slightly different, right? Like they, they did something fairly similar to ExoBrowser, as I understand yep. it. Yeah, uh, that's my understanding as well. The funny thing is that the ExoBrowser project started one year ago, so it started before Atom uh, was in public. And, um, and I think that uh, going forward, um, we probably want to uh, merge a bunch of stuff with them. Uh, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with uh, you know, shrinking the ExoBrowser to a layer on top of BrightRay, and BrightRay being the package uh, concept mobile version that they use in the Atom shell. Uh -huh. cool. And I think that's something that would make sense because we would join forces on building the best technology we can there nice. and focus on building great module uh, for Bridge. Cool. So uh, you started about a year ago, and this was you know, largely an independent project. And then can you tell us just sort of how that evolved in terms of adding team and getting uh, contributors? Yeah, sure. Uh, so basically, I started it, yes, um, one year ago in August mm -hmm. or September. And uh, in September, I published a blog post about the Exo browser. So it was before Atom, and I uh, posted it on Acanews. Uh, it got quite a few upvotes. And uh, Guillermo Roach uh, read that blog post and contacted me and said, uh, well, that's really cool. That's what I wanted to build myself. Uh, let's work on that together. And... Since then, Gamer has been like awesome. He's been helping me connect with people, and in particular, he's been interesting me. He interests me to uh, to Alejandro, who is online right now, um, uh, to take care of the more design-oriented and UI part of the browser. And so maybe Alejandro wants to, uh, to 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 tell the, the his side of the story there. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Oh, uh, sure. Well, I think when Stan approached and Guillermo told me about the project. They told me that they wanted to make more a developer uh, browser. So the first thing I saw, I come from a design part. So I know uh, some CSS and HTML, but I'm not like very good at JavaScript and that stuff. So when they approached me and they told me about the project, I said, okay, this is awesome. And I started thinking, okay, let's focus on the content. Let's see how we can make it easier to see. And... Let's talk about like if the app delivers the functionality it promises, it doesn't have to affect the appearance. So, for example, if you're navigating content, the idea is just to focus on the content, that the UI comes like behind it. So, the main idea was focusing the content and um, just make something that it's fun and exciting to use and it encourages uh, lots of uh, new modules to be created. And the only problem I found between all this was uh, the new module creation. For example, now it's happening on GitHub. I checked GitHub this morning and I saw that new modules were added. 
and maybe they need a little bit of direction there. So mm -hmm. maybe I need to like, for example, talk with the guys that made that. Maybe they're not designers, maybe they're just um, uh, JavaScript guys, so they want to make like a new module, and then that's where we might have a problem. But I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, we have a long way ahead of this, see what happens with it. Yeah, and so today a bridge is, uh, sh is shipping with, uh, I mean, you install during the onboarding, you install the first module that gives you basic tabbing uh, um, capabilities. That module is called ModStrip, and uh, basically the idea of on ModStrips uh, of having the URL bar next to the tabs to save some space came from Alejandro. Uh, the, the awesome yeah. idea that uh, people <laughs> love of uh, sniffing the uh, the uh, color of the page through the favicon to color the tab also came from uh, from from him. And so that these are a bunch of ideas that are very simple and very powerful. And even if it's a very developer-oriented project. Uh, still, of course, um, it helps a lot to have at least a nice experience when you run for the first time and a great landing page. That's where Android has been awesome. Yeah, I think that the onboarding part was the big thing we had to think of. So we want to see what happens with the onboarding. I think a lot of people that uh, are developers like just made it through and maybe skipped a couple steps. But maybe some guys that were really interested in that, for example, some designers said, okay, I didn't quite understand the onboarding. So I think that's something we might have to work on if we want to go like uh, mainstream or something. But I think it's something like uh, we can just go checking out. And uh, also I think like the landing page uh, encourages that it's a, a good app and it's not just for developers. So that's where we have to see what our focus is see what, what, what comes up. So a couple of the challenges with something like Atom that ended up being showstoppers for me personally were that contributions to Atom were in a forked space, I guess, not even a, a namespace. You know, the modules don't go to MPM, they go, uh, you know, get pulled kind of pseudo-Bauer style, I guess. Uh, shit. Forrest probably knows better than I what the exact details of, of that setup are. Are you... <laughs> <laughs> Someday I'll remember my name, know, David. It's, like, <laughs> it's getting you know, progressively deeper in my uh, psyche. I'm sorry. So I assume you're on NPM. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, module, modules uh, are on NPM. Yeah, modules are NPM modules. They mm -hmm. import uh, maybe some. I mean, maybe you from NPM is going to crush me for that, but whatever. No, um, I think so. it's great. We, we want all the things on NPM. <laughs> I discovered last night that we apparently have Rails in NPM. Cool, uh, I guess. <laughs> so basically, any module is an NPM module that need to require a particular uh, bridge NPM module, mm -hmm. which is a module that is supposed to, to work only when run within bridge. Okay. Uh, we absolutely and totally and uh, with not any uh, any hesitation, didn't want to create a module discovery. Um, mm -hmm. No, not a module discovery, but a module management system. Ecosystem, right, right. Sure. And so we wanted to bootstrap it out of NPM and have also the ability for people to find, I mean, to install module always through NPM, but address directly from GitHub as well. So basically you can set up a GitHub repo and you can uh, give the address of the GitHub repo and this is a functionality that is, by the way, supported natively by NPM yep. and install the module directly from there. 
Awesome. Have you, have you tried to, you know, one, one of the nice positive things, I think, coming out of LevelDB and Grunt and Gulp have been namespaces. I, I like it because, you know, I, I can sort of at a high level look at a module in NPM and be like, oh, you know, that, that's its functional area. It's kind of operating in that context. Have you considered establishing some sort of a, a namespace base for, for breach modules? Breach yeah, tasks? of course. I mean, uh, that makes sense. I'm, I'm not that familiar with those namespace yet, uh, but it looks like it like totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're still a very, very early project. And so uh, we'll see what goes. And uh, I mean, NPM namespace, NPM uh, tagging, uh, to, to support the module discovery are things that absolutely make sense. Yeah, I, I mean, just to, to jump in, like we are still lacking some some of the registry side changes necessary to support the scopes, which is what I think you're referring to, Disha. Actually, um, not. I, that, are you just talking about like grunt dash? Grunt I mean, dash. You can do that. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, you can do that today with breach. Just have breach dash whatever right. for the, for the modules. Yeah, so the, 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 the community is starting to use mode underscore, which is a reminiscence of the Apache world. But it's uh, it's fun how a community can can pick up a way to name modules. So today it's modern underscore something. But I think on npm you've got uh, the ability to tag uh, modules. So that would be something that is already interesting at least for discovery and uh, making sure that a module runs only in a in a certain context, right? Yeah. So I I think there's a lot of potential there just using the features that are already there, like you know tags and. Uh, and naming conventions, but it's definitely something where going forward, we're going to, we're all, you know, there's already an unofficial thing you can put to mark a, a module as browser only mm -hmm. uh, for front end developers inside NPM. And I, I think that we're probably going to wait for the cow paths to get a little more established there and then actually try and build some structure up around that. In addition to, you know, scopes and organizations and some of the other things that are really intended for kind of a different purpose, but will be using a lot of the, could actually productively use some of those features. Awesome. So uh, let's dive into our, our second spot here real quick, and then I want to come back to, I've got a note here for challenges. We'll come back to that in the second section. So I want to shout out to our second sponsor, And Yet. And Yet has created a first-of-its-kind JavaScript training adventure called JS for Teams. It's alive that teaches dev teams uh, how to build highly advanced, highly maintainable apps together. It's based on the concepts and conventions introduced in human JavaScript by Henrik Yurtek, which Jan Leonard called the best book you can buy right now to get a grip on front-end JavaScript. Henrik will be leading the, this training event. For those of you who are familiar with Real-Time Comp, it was a crazy experience with the whole story by Mike Spiegel and original music produced by uh, Open Source, otherwise known as Ben Mitchell. So it's a live experience the Anyet team has spent nine months creating as a follow-up to that, except that this experience is focused on only 30 people at a time. The first adventure starts July 24th through 25th. Tickets are on sale now at jsforteams.com. Each class is a limited number of seats, and you can get a discount right now if you use the code NOTEUP, and you'll get $200 off on that. To find out more about JS for Teams and the, any upcoming classes or human JavaScript, head to andyet.com, A-N-D-Y-E-T.com, and be sure to follow Andyet on Twitter at andyet. All right. So let, let's talk about the launch reception uh, of Breach. You know, Breach is definitely one of the most exciting moments I've seen this year in, in sort of the definition of a new category of how 
note is being used. Well, how, how's the last uh, week or so been, Stan? <laughs> it's, been, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. Uh, so basically, we went from um, three dudes on IRC to uh, something around more like 80 or 100 person all the time on IRC. Uh, that's uh, that's a good sign of a community thing and setting up. That's awesome. So basically, you know, we were walking on bridge, um, three guys together with Alejandro, with Guillermo, and uh, at some point we decided, okay, it's uh, we're reaching uh, a point where we can start showing it to the to the world. I mean, everything was already public, right? But you have to give it uh, the little uh, push or the little nudge to uh, get people interested. And so uh, that's uh, where we uh, we set up with Alejandro to build a, a nice-looking uh, landing page, which I, which I think is really important uh, if you want to launch anything. And um, I created the, the most recent builds of Bridge. And uh, last Thursday, if I'm correct, uh, I posted it on Hacker News uh, with the goal of uh, making at least 300 upvotes. And uh, something like 24 hours later, uh, we were at 309 upvotes, and that's pretty much where the uh, article died out. And so we're really proud, uh, proud of these uh, achievements. Nice, nice. Nails and, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's great. Um, also, it's great that a, a node project doesn't get plowed under, but <laughs> that's yeah. a total aside. Not that I'm bitter. <laughs> well, actually, it was fun because uh, those guys are, are really great, but they are, they are very picky on the names of the articles and stuff. Right, right. So the uh, the my post was called something like uh, "Bridge a New Browser Written Entirely on, Java, on in JavaScript, uh, Free Modular Hackable." Uh, so that's of course way too marketing for for them. So it was instantaneously uh, renamed as "Bridge a New Browser Written in JavaScript." <laughs> and this was, there was like a bunch of comments on all the whole browser was was not written in JavaScript. Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> written on the on the home page uh, uh, and so they were all like saying well if it's not entirely written in JavaScript or we can rename the title and so they ended up like agreeing that they should name the, the, the post bridge a new browser UI written in JavaScript <laughs> I was like what the fuck guys uh, if bridge is a UI then opera what is opera right. it's exactly on content module as well uh. <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, they finally decided to, uh, to rename it. Uh, I, I gave them the final name, which is a bridge, uh, a new uh, modular browser uh, or something like that. And so there was no motion of JavaScript anymore. Anyway, uh, generated a lot of content. Uh, it was uh, uh, taken uh, up by uh, Engadget. Um, and then there's been a flood of reaction of, on Twitter. Uh, that's what uh, really impressed me is that even right now, people keep sharing Bridge, uh, you know, every other 10 minutes. And that's something that is so encouraging because uh, I've been pushing a couple uh, side projects on uh, Aka News. And this is definitely the first one that, takes, uh, that, that generates that much interest. So in the meantime, we've released, uh, I mean, we've released on GitHub the, uh, the credentials to the Google Analytics uh, accounts. So anybody is free oh, to... Uh, to log in there. Um, basically, what it looks like is that we uh, we had something like like 132,000 visits, which is really great. That's uh, really impressive. And uh, we had, uh, according to Bitly, uh, something like 30,000 uh, downloads. 
And uh, over the, the past week, we had 30,000 active users. And today, roughly every day, there are 2,000 active users, which is so encouraging. I mean, it's a, still a small number, of course, but it's, it already looks like, you know, that number is quite stable. And it look, already looks like a community is creating, is building itself around Bridge. And that's really what we, we're looking for. That's fantastic. So what are, what are some of the unexpected use cases or concepts that people have come up with that they're interested in, in using Breach for? Well, I think there's been a lot of, um, a lot of uh, confusion uh, on how to use, I mean, what Breach is really built for compared to Node oh. WebKit. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that was clearly anticipable and clearly uh, understandable, of course. Uh, so some people say, oh, Breach is awesome. I want to use it to build my new native app. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, well, you should use not WebKit. You'll, you'll be better off using it. It's uh, it's really built for that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I think the most interesting use case that are kind of uh, surfacing are um, maybe you know in the way that people want to create a new uh, way to browse the web. So those guys who really understand what Bridge is built for, and the, the funniest case would be. Uh, is, is definitely that guy who wants to build uh, a cabled-only browsing experience, uh, kind of a pure Vimperator plugin for Bridge, where you don't even have a tab bar anymore. <laughs> you just have a, a CLI or something. And that's exactly what we, we're looking for. It's, uh, it's, that would be awesome. I would use it. I would definitely use it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a VI user, and so nice. I'm all about the keyboard. <laughs> but, you know... Guillermo convinced me to put a tabbing system in Bridge, at least for the launch, but we'll mm -hmm. see what it was later on. <laughs> Chromeless Chrome. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So I want to dive into one of the questions from the you know, nine questions for uh, Next Steps for Breach. I would love to, to hear your thoughts about some of the, the main problems with, with Breach. What are the challenges that you have in the implementation and attaining the goals that you have with Breach. Yeah. So basically, the, the, the biggest challenge today is that the Exo Browser API is not at all where we would like it to be. Uh, if we want to build a browser that will really enable the, the developers and the users to build new experiences, uh, you want to free them from any constraints. Or today, um, the Exo Browser API lets you uh, create some tabs that are stacked in the middle of the page and in the middle of the window you create and then you can add new web app uh, as controllers on the top on the left on the bottom on the right and one that is floating uh, so that's something as an example in bridge today when you run it there's a tabbing system at the top it's an independent uh, web frame and it's run uh, locally i mean it, it, it's based on a locally running web app and it's uh, i mean it's its position is defined by a by a very thin and simplified View hierarchy that need to be that needs to be implemented using native code. So we've got that view hierarchy that lets you install controls that are basically just web frames at the top, on the left, on the right, at the bottom, and we have it written for GTK Plus, Cocoa, and hopefully very soon Windows. And the thing is that we really want to get rid of that. We want to have uh, we would want the Exo browser to expose something that is much like uh, not WebKit, mm -hmm. in which you would probably uh, pass it some HTML and inject some JavaScript to create uh, tabs and 
and web frames using a native uh, tag that would be implemented by the Exo browser, something like a, a caret Exo frame. And that's something that is completely possible with Chromium today. Uh, as an example, if you look at the Chrome extensions when you're creating uh, Chrome apps, you, can, you have a web view tag, which is still fairly limited, but still or, but already quite great. And that's exactly what, where we want to go to. The only issue with that is that you end up having only one HTML page, and that means that all the, basically the iframes that you create, create within them will all run on the same process as it is today. And that's something that the Chromium team is working on. Uh, they, they call it OPI for off-process iframe, and that's a way for iframes to be run in the separate process if they come from a different domain, as it is the case for the tabs. And so basically, we really want for Bridge, the main big challenge is to change uh, entirely the underlying API so that a developer you know, can create a new tab as a tag inside some HTML, inside, inside a DOM, instead of having a pre-existing uh, pre view hierarchy API. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's the main challenge. So we have to wait on the uh, OPI work from the Chromium guys. Uh, it's uh, it's starting to be uh, to be fairly uh, advanced and uh, should be released in the in the coming months. So that's great. And when they got that ready, uh, we can definitely move onto a, a native ExoFrame tag implementation within ExoBrowser, and then you end up having a much richer API for Bridge, where instead of installing uh, new controls at predefined places, you can just create a new tag and pull it wherever you want. And so people will be able to, you know, to uh, animate the resize of the tabs, uh, you know, do a whole bunch of stuff that they can do right now. Uh, so how has it been working with the the Chromium team? You know, I know at least with with Node, we we've had some challenges getting time and interest from the V8 team. What what about the Chromium team? Have they been re receptive and been able to interact with them effectively? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the. I've been able to 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 chat with a couple of them at least. Uh, some of them are not receptive, and some of them are absolutely great. I mean. They're probably just humans, right? Sure, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they have their job, and, and I'm not job, discounting I'm, anybody. <laughs> exactly, but, and they are very busy people. So it's, right? been, uh, it's, it's fairly hard uh, to, uh, to, get to, I mean, to get 10 minutes of chat with, uh, with some of those guys. You sometimes manage to have it, and it's awesome because you, you can really bridge uh, into a, a, onto a next level of understanding of the uh, content API. Right. And, uh, but it's still quite hard to, uh, to get those 10 minutes here and there. Uh, but I think it's, I guess, it's, I mean, it's, it's normal. They've got limited time. Uh, they're probably very busy. In, in terms of you know, managing the project, what, what do you do keeping aligned with the, uh, the Chromium releases? Yeah, so basically, we, we're based out of the, uh, of the um, release branches of Chromium, uh, meaning that each time they, they make a new release, they open a new release branch, and we try to uh, to, to to merge uh, onto that uh, that branch. Uh, we have to be careful because we want to. Uh, basically, we we then also use um, the a branch. I mean, the master branch of Node.js. Right. And we 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 would fetch a version where the um, the version of V8 is uh, close enough. To mm -hmm. the version of V8 that is packaged within right. Chrome branch we use because when we're going to build the whole thing, 
the uh, the master branch of Node.js is not going to be run by the V8 that is with it, but rather by the V8 embedded into Chromium. So they, oh, the, version, the, the version must be very close for everything to work uh, well. And so that's basically all we've been doing it so far. And each time the uh, the, the, the the new release is uh, is is made, uh, there's quite some work because the the content API, the content model API, uh, is a public API. It's not a active. I mean, it's not a of course, a commercially supported API. Mm -hmm. They say, uh, we use it internally, it's public, we document it, but you're pretty much on your own right. if you use it. And so um, it moves a lot. And, um, and there's, you know, it would take something like three to four hours to merge from one version to the other if nothing really bad happens. So that's quite some work, but it's, but it's fine. You know, it's something tractable and doable. Mm -hmm. um, so right now, you're, you're primarily dealing with 11, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. So when, when 12 ships, when, if, uh, when 12 <laughs> ships, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, when 12 ships, the, the, the version of V8 will pin for a while. Have you thought about that, that sort of change? Yeah. Are you going to go to you know, the next uh, d dev version from there? So your V8 will be tracking more aggressively? Or what, what are your thoughts around that next, next challenge? Yeah, that's an awesome question. Uh, I think what we, we really want to do there, and we're going to be able to circle back to Adam, that's great. Uh, what we really would be able to achieve is to run Bridge as a node module and not to embed node within bridge or next to the content API. Uh, that would be awesome. When I started the project, it seemed fairly uh, complicated to, uh, to, to be able to build uh, the whole content module as a node module. Mm. But thanks to the awesome work of um, Dime, I don't remember his name. His, his GitHub uh, account is Zetsy Benz uh, from GitHub, the, the guy working on Atom Shell. Mm, and right. it's been an awesome work of packaging the content module as a, as a dynamic library. And so that opens a way for us to probably package the content module uh, as a node module. Wow. And if we manage to do that, then we get rid of that uh, V8 dependency across Node and contents. And then we, we're free to use whichever version of uh, Node we want. Uh, people will be uh, able to use uh, native uh, add-ons uh, using C++ mm -hmm. without the burden of having to link against a particular uh, binary and stuff. That would be awesome. So that's something we're definitely looking into. Well done. Hmm. That's awesome. All right, let's say a quick word about CodeChip, our final sponsor, and talk about the future in a moment and uh, talk about how everyone can, can start contributing to, to Breach. All right, so CodeChip. CodeChip is continuous deployment made simple. Set up CodeChip integration in a few steps and automatically deploy when all your tests have passed. CodeChip has great support for lots of languages and test frameworks. It integrates with both GitHub and Bitbucket. You can deploy to cloud services like Heroku, AWS, Nojitsu, Google App Engine, Modulus, and your own service. If you deploy to Modulus, the setup is super simple, and it literally only takes a few clicks. You can start with the free plan. Setup only takes three minutes. Head to codeship.io slash node up to learn more. When you sign up with the discount code NUTUP, you get 20% off any plan for three months. Check out the blog 
at blog.codeship.io. Head to codeship.io uh, in general for everything. I guess you got to go with slash node up because that way they know it's, it, you're coming from node up and you get to sort of spread the awesome around. Uh, codeship.io. And be sure to follow Codeship on Twitter at Codeship. Thank you, Codeship, for sponsoring. All right. So let's talk about the future and where Breach is going. And I'd also like to to uh, encourage you to sort of invite new people and, and uh, how can people contribute? Let's start oh, with yeah. the future. I mean, absolutely. Um, so we've covered a bunch of uh, stuff that are, that are about the future, right? About the exobrosal and the mm-hmm. basic uh, infrastructure. Right. Uh, we also have a, like a tons of work to do on opening the right APIs to be able to build a fully fledged browser. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a few examples of APIs today that are not yet supported in Bridge and that we need support, like basic auth, uh, HTML permission requests for geolocation and media capture, uh, being able to uh, inject headers into URL requests so that we can implement do not track as a module, as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Be able to proxy some requests to a local uh, Node.js module so that we could, as an example, implement a module to get support for Tor, which would be really awesome because that would really interest the uh, security uh, community, right? And then, of course, the basic basic API that is not even there yet uh, for modules to be able to inject CSS and GS uh, within uh, tabs and uh, the tabs renderer and have an APC API for that. So there's like literally a bunch of work to do. And uh, anybody that is interested in the t- those technologies um, and the, that have been wondering uh, how Atom is built and how uh, they're having so much fun at GitHub building it, mm-hmm. well, we're building it all in the open. So uh, there's... Nice. They're definitely welcome to uh, to join. Um, uh, we're trying to be as available as we can uh, to help people on board onto the project, which is a fairly big project. Uh, it's been one year of work, and so it takes some time, but we, we try to be as much available as we can, and we welcome everyone. Awesome. As someone is you know, sort of looking at Breach, what are some of the skill sets that they would need to be able to contribute to the project? Yeah, well, it really depends where they... I mean, it's it's exactly the same as Node.js, I would say. It really depends on where they want to contribute. Mm-hmm. If they want to uh, to contribute at the module level, meaning that in the Node.js world, not that it's uh, mature, it doesn't even, doesn't even mean contributing because it's just creating your own module. Well, in our world, it still means contributing because there's so many, so, so few modules yet. Uh, so if they want to create a new module and have fun with uh, creating a solution to manage bookmarks, uh, creating a new solution to uh, search within history very uh, very uh, easily. These all things, they just need to be web developers to have a, a, a rough understanding of Node.js, and they should be able to create their own module, and that's something that we really want to support because the, the richness of uh, any community is based on uh, whatever those developers come up with. And in our case, like in Node.js, it's all about those modules. And if they are more like C++ developers interested in web technologies, uh, they're interested, intrigued, intrigued by Atom and stuff like that, they would more uh, like be contributing to Bridge Core or to uh, the Exo browser underneath uh, and you know, open up some new APIs and help us uh, shape the, uh, the API of Bridge because that's, of course, also something that is very important in the coming months slash years, of course. Um, it's like Node.js is in, a, is in 
0.08 today, but it really feels like a 1.0. Uh, like defining the APIs has been a very intensive work over the past years, and that's something that we have ahead of us, and we need all the way up we can get there. Awesome. Uh, we're actually at 10, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, oh. sorry. <laughs> Perpetually almost at 12. But... Uh, regarding the UI and regarding um, design, uh, it would be great also to get some contributors to see what they come up with, what easier way they find to represent the browser. And that's, I think, a little bit harder to, to find, but I just welcome any designer that wants to come up with something. Maybe we can revise it and see see what what they come up with. Yeah, I mean, uh, Alejandro is uh, is leading the uh, the uh, the way on trying to build a document that would look like uh, the very uh, well known uh, now uh, Google uh, material design documents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly. something that uh, that's something that a community needs to uh, you know to to reflect itself through it and. Uh, try to find a common voice on what would be the, the overall experience for Bridge. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, the goal is to, to reach the masses, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's about having a lot of fun building a new browser and empowering developers to, um, to build new experiences. But uh, the, the goal is for those experiences to be used by uh, my mom and my brothers and my friends. And that's, uh, you know, to get there, we need to, uh, to push all in the same direction or at least in some form of the same direction. Yes, exactly. And I think that doing this, as Stan said, when they come up with modules, they would have like some guidelines to follow. So if uh, we define them, that'd be awesome and we could like add modules very quickly. Nice. And I think that's, that's an interesting point because um, Node.js, uh, you know, when you build a Node.js module, you don't think about the UI. Uh, sure. You don't have to think about the UI, mm -hmm. obviously. And uh, that's a very uh, difficult thing is, is that when you build a module for Bridge, it's, uh, it's kind of necessarily tied to a UI component. And so it's a, it's a challenging uh, community to set up, I guess, uh, so that it doesn't end up being a bunch of different experiences that don't even work together. Right. So speaking, speaking of unifying the experience, what, what about Microsoft Windows and you know, getting Windows support? If you look back at Node's history, the introduction of Windows support in 6 probably defines you know, a real milestone in Node's growth and uh, paved the way for, for Node to be what it is today. Yeah, adoption, uh, yeah. Yeah. What are the challenges of getting Windows set up? And I guess, you know, we can go beyond that and into uh, Linux if, if uh, yeah, that, that's something we can explore. Yep. Uh, so, actually, it's not that challenging. It's, mm. uh, you have to, you have to, we have to, we have to implement uh, one API uh, on Windows. It's uh, probably something like a few thousands lines of code that must be added. To be perfectly honest and transparent with you, the only reason we don't have any Windows support is that I currently don't do not own any Windows machine. Sure. That, that's that's it. <laughs> right. yeah. So we just need someone with a Windows machine out there who would be willing to uh, come up with those few thousand lines of code, test it, build it, ship it, and boom, it's done. We've got Windows. Um, other than that, we've been talking about uh, OPI and having a, a native tag. Uh, 
that would mean that the uh, the native code would be even smaller within the Exo browser, and we would probably be able to move to uh, to Aura instead of GTK Plus. Aura is like a view manager built by Chromium to support Chromium OS. Yeah. And if we were to do that, and that's of course the plan, we would get Windows support for free. So that's going to happen, whatever. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so I automatically get a Mac version. Is Does it also build for uh, Linux at present? Yeah, x64. Okay. Uh, there's been a bunch of people uh, complaining for a 32 bits uh, build, and I think there's someone working on it as we speak, so should be here soon. Like, like Forrest said earlier, patches are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a safe statement. Right? <laughs> if you want something uh, enough that uh, you're going to uh, you know, roll up your sleeves and contribute it, good on you. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks for sharing uh, you know, everything about Breach. I think we got you out in time for your uh, hard stop. Let's have everyone go through their plugs, and then uh, I'll, I'll let you go and uh, go through the, the upcoming events after you've stepped off. Yes, uh, just to finish, uh, of course, now that Breach is, uh, has been quite interesting for the overall community, uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm looking for ways to... Uh, to, 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 uh, to to be full time on this, and so if anybody or any organization can come up with a, a, a an original and interesting solution to that, I'm of course all ears, and that's going to be my concluding my plugging. Awesome, Alejandro, did you want to say something about Area Lab? Oh, just uh, something we well, it's where I work and where we build this stuff. Uh, I have a awesome team and making products and I think I've uh, checked with everybody about the breach UI and we've worked uh, some guys have reviewed it and make a couple annotations so I think that with uh, Arab we can have we have a small team that could work a little bit more on that so I think that's it awesome great first well I'm gonna be plugging the thing I'm gonna be plugging for quite a while now which is we have NPM 1.5.0 Alpha, which is a release candidate for the next minor version of NPM, which is a fairly substantial upgrade, uh, ready for people to bang on. Those of you who are more enterprising and low-level should be giving it a shot and letting us know about our manifest failures to get everything correct the first time around so that when we actually release it to the community at large, it's working well. Uh, I'm right in the middle of a substantial rework of how the caching code works. So that's the last really big functionality piece that needs to land before we put it out there. But in the meantime, you know, use it to log into registries, play with the new scoping features, let me know how it's all going, and don't forget to send us patches. Thank you. So how does one eyeball and love the new NPM 1.5? One runs npm-g install npm at 1.5.0-alpha-2 because I put out a new version yesterday. Cool. Or you can just say npm at uh, b1.5rc and you'll get the latest, the latest of those builds. Okay. Great. Looking forward to checking that out. Speaking of enterprising, <laughs> NodeSource is a enterprise Node.js company. Uh, provide uh, software products and education services, professional consulting services to empower companies to be effective and productive with Node.js. 
We help Fortune 500 companies from prototype to production, and uh, we care about the compliance and all those painful things that you know, enterprise companies have to deal with. So uh, go to nodesource.com to, to find out more, and be sure to follow Nodesource on Twitter, Nodesource. All right. Well, let's let's say goodbye to Stan and Alejandro. If you want to stay for the the last goodbyes, we've got about five more minutes. You're welcome to stick awesome. around. Um, sure. Thank you, guys. Have a thank great you, Stan. Day. Glad we got out in time. Bye bye. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Um, so upcoming events: September seventh through eleventh in Waterford Island. NodeConf EU is back. Then uh, in other side of the world, uh, Australia, CampJS four is coming uh, October thirty first. Head to campjs.com for more information. November fifteenth through sixteenth in Tennessee, brand new conference called NodeVember. Uh, head to nodevember.org for more information. I believe I will be uh, speaking there, or at least I've submitted a talk. I shall not presume. I will definitely be going. Excited to uh, explore a, a great new community down there and a, a brand new conference. So CSS Conf in Asia is coming uh, November 19th, followed by JSConf Asia uh, November 20th to 22nd. Head to 2014.jsconf.asia. And there are a couple new things coming in the, the more enterprise side of things with a, a, an, an event probably in October. It's going to be enterprise-focused. And we'll have... Very soon, the dates for Node Summit. So you know, keep keep uh, an eye out for that and get ready for uh, Node Summit at the beginning of next year. So, thank you all for for listening. Uh, please uh, be sure to leave a review on iTunes. It helps uh, Apple tune their relevance ranking and you know allows other people that are uh, new to the Node community to find uh, Node up, even if it's just complaining about uh, about me. I had uh, my wisdom teeth removed on Saturday, so uh, I've kind of been powering through through that. Um, it's a bit weird to talk. Hopefully, you can complain about that. Maybe less umming, more toothy sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Follow the note up on uh, Twitter. We do have some some sponsorship slots opening up soon, so be sure to reach out to note up. You can hit up uh, note up at gmail.com for sponsorship information. Thank you, Alejandro and Forrest. I literally think Thank through you. that all the way to, so I got it right. <laughs> Thank you, Forrest, for joining me today. <laughs> You're welcome, David. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Uh, and uh, I talk to you guys soon. Bye. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you.